I gotta like start all the different recording things at the same time. It seems like it gets more major every week, even though we've been doing this for a relatively lengthy period of time. Yeah, well, our setup sort of changed. And- well, and and I find that you can't really trust the technology so much. I don't trust it. It's gonna. You know, I'm recording over. on. I'm gonna record on Zencaster. Yeah, I'm recording on the MacBook Pro, and I'm recording on the Rode Podcaster. Okay. And last week, I was able, out of all of those, to, to cobble together one show because yeah, this stopped it, recording. The MacBook stopped recording at some point. The Zencaster um, audio sucked, and then and this was all fakakta too. So I don't know. We got it done. Yeah, I was wondering, like, should we have just not done it? But I don't know. Most of the monsters, I sort of did a little survey, and most people were um, glad we did it. You don't have to, like, be in the camera frame yet. Oh, okay. I mean... I mean, what if we put the whole show... Well, then you need to. Then maybe you should You should bring your ass lower. There's a thing that you can pull on. But you have to use your weight to bring it down. There uh-huh. you go, see? But now it's... Oh. What is it too low now? How's that? That's better. And it sounds good, and I can hear myself. Yes, and I can this make funny faces. Better than uh, last week. Yeah, I. I last know. week we had all kinds of audio problems. I thought that mic would have been good, but what I realized <clears throat> later was it's not really a vocal mic. It was a nice instrument mic. And uh, that's me. I, I'm an instrument mic. I play. I, uh, play yeah. an instrument. Yes. Yes. So I, I had an instrument mic for instrument mic. And, Sorry, we um, need to. I, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I don't have COVID anymore. Yeah, it's too late. <laughs> well, you never know. You should, I've been testing negative. I shouldn't have kissed for you. For all hello. kinds of things. You shouldn't have kissed. But that's, uh, that's our that's way. It's customary, right? That's well, our, I'm going to Greece, so I got to get used to kissing, kissing men. guys. Yeah. yeah. Uh, look, look, what? my studio uh, light thing fell off. <laughs> Nothing but quality, uh, quality studio stuff it's going all on here. Part of the fun. That is my light diffuser, which is actually a legal pad that's now hanging from a piece of duct tape. <laughs> looks like the set of a horror movie. Uh, it's, the shoe fits. <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah. There you go. That's right. <laughs> Just okay. Yeah. Well, here we go. Here we go, and we're back. Welcome to Recovery in the Middle Ages, the podcast about two middle-aged suburban dads in their pursuit of life, love, and recovery. I'm Nat X. I'm Mike R. And boy, do we have a show for you today on RMA, the triumphant return to Castle Grayskull Studios after a long, cold exile to the outer reaches of the RMA kingdom. The boys <laughs> are back, and okay. this time we brought reinforcements. In oh. an unprecedented and unexpected move, it's a take three takeover. Take three with Grant B will be recorded live as we discuss April's top recovery stories with RMA's one and only G Money Smooth of SoberLiningsPlaybook.com. All this and more today on a very special edition <laughs> of RMA. Hey. Hello. No one would ever know you were reading that off a piece of paper. <laughs> That's pretty good, right? I spent a lot of time acting and acting schools and... Yeah? Blah, blah. Yeah, I was in theater arts forever. Hmm. Well, addicts are actors. Good and actors, that's true, right? sure. Hustlers, I, actors, you know, we get the job done. Yeah, for a long time, I was so confident in my ability to fool people that I fooled myself. 
Oh, you know they say that you, people they lie so that much. Got heavy. They real start quick. to uh, you start to believe yourself on some things. And I remember just getting caught in these webs of lies, and it started out really clever, <clears throat> and then you know it gets more complicated, and then time goes on, and you're not remembering you know the the whole thing, and then you say the wrong thing, and you lie to cover that. This is why I'm just honest these days. Well, and, it, and it's especially hard to remember your lies when you're fucked up all the time because yeah, that you know, then you the, forget the lie. It it's, adds to the you're complication. You're not as good of a liar also. And lying is lying sucks. It's much too complicated. Yeah, my, yeah. my philosophy now is just be honest and uh, the rest is cake. And if the person doesn't like what you say, then uh, I don't know. It'll be fine. About most things, right? Yeah, Are you? Do you tell lies to, sit, to preserve people's feelings, though? You don't want to be like brutally honest all the time. Lies of uh, of omission, I guess you would say. Yeah. Like, um, for example, if you had another podcast or a song or something and you were like, take a listen to this. And if it was like awful, I would just go, wow. And then I change the subject. <laughs> I wouldn't yes. say this is great. I just wouldn't go on to comment on it. So that's mm-hmm. so if I went on and, you know, I would just be honest. And, it, and if I really get pressed... I would say, in the nicest possible way, maybe you ought to work on like this part of it. Or right. Something. Well, there's tact and di- diplo- right. diplomacy. Right. They, they have specialty. their uh, they have their place, but it's it's very different from saying, you know, I'm going out to buy milk and then go out and buy crack. Right. Or I'll, I'm going to go <laughs> Which, get a pack of cigarettes and then never come back. I recall um, back in the '90s when I went, <laughs> I went to a Jerry Garcia band show. Uh, at Nassau Coliseum, drove back to the city. I think I was tripping on acid, and um, I was going to bake a pie. So I told my wife at the time, I'm like, I have to go out and get flour and butter. And I came back 12 12 hours later with the flour and butter, but I had also been up all night smoking cocaine. So that was, uh, that didn't go over so good. I actually, um, that, that actually propelled me into AA for the first time. Really, yeah. that you know, that just triggered a series of memories like that. <laughs> yeah. And um, I, I think, <clears throat> wow, yeah, uh, Monsters out there, why don't you tell us some of your amazing yes. lies that you are Share embarrassed your, your lying apple pie recipes. Yeah. And, but before you do yeah. that, you should um, consider supporting the podcast. Uh, we are a listener-supported recovery podcast, and the best way that you can help support us financially is to go to uh, recovery. I'm sorry, patreon.com slash recovery in the middle ages. Learn more, learn more, sign up, throw us a couple bucks so we can continue to bring you the programming, the guests, the humor, and the enlightenment that you come here for every week. Yeah, and we have fun on there. We've got a great discussion group. We talk about it every week. Uh, We uh, also, videos like this go straight to Patreon. I think we get it there before the show gets released sometimes. Videos like what? The one we're doing? Like the one we're doing now. Oh, hey, he let himself in. How did Can he you, do that? Wait, Are you we, know what? We weren't recording any of that. Oh, really? Do you know that? Because I didn't hit the start record button. But it was recording on that. It's recording here, it's recording there, but the video is not recording. All right, so, so we, this is people, this is their first impression oh, right Lord. now of us on video. I don't... Th- from so, since last week. So what should we do? I don't know. Can can Grant hear us? Um, By the way, this what? is Grant, guys. Right. So <laughs> I, I was just saying in an unprecedented he's here <laughs> in an unprecedented move. We've got a take three takeover, and a Grant Boykin, G Money Smooth. I think we might have to keep him in the green room due to some uh, technical snafus that we're having here, but we'll get him on. 
Sorry, that was our um, that? that was our light diffuser in the back. It's a, a legal pad that's oh, really? held to the ceiling with duct tape, and it's fallen down. So, so. now we have no light diffuser. Well, we have this strange uh, yellow glow behind us now. That's true. Yeah. Um, I was going to put a couple more things. Uh, I did want to maybe talk about last week's show. I feel like it was such a great topic that got totally dissed because the sound wasn't up to my standards you're way too hard on uh, us like that was a really important show i feel like i had that whole thing about it and i don't know like um in any case covering recovered yeah i thought i would get all kinds of um discussion on it and uh, i'm feeling you know what people people can people consume the show and then they then they move on with their lives they can't be thinking about rma like all week all right. Well, only we do that. Speaking and not of, even. all right. So let's move on because we didn't really have a monster speak grant, but I just put out a Discord um, message to see if anybody would say anything. And did they? I said, um, if anybody wants to, let's take a peek. The segment we call Monster Speak. All right, so we've got, a, I, I did a, a check-in. I said, hey, guys, my prep wasn't great this week, as you can all tell. Um, you want right. to do a little check-in for Monster Speak? And I said, let's let's hear it. So the first person I got, this is on the Inner Sanctum on, um, on our Patreon, and we got Kyle. It said, what kind of check-in? Just how? <laughs> I, think, I think Kyle was, I think Kyle thought you were asking, like, people to call in. Oh, that would be cool, too. But yeah. so he's just kind of, he wants to know what kind of check-in I really want. So let's see. Rob UK came in with something else. He said, just <laughs> been out for a nice meal for my mother-in-law's birthday and about half an hour and a group of men sat next to us who'd clearly been on the ale for a few hours. On the ale. I like that. Very loud and brash, but they did redeem themselves with a splendid rendition of Happy Birthday for their mother-in-law. Nothing like a table full of drunks singing happy birthday to your mother I wonder if they, they knew I was going to actually read these. Things have been... Uh, okay, this is AKA David has something to say. He says, things have been good over the past few weeks. Work is keeping me busy. I may have a new job opportunity on the horizon, which will mean taking a sharp left from what I'm doing now. I know something about that. Mm. Uh, I'll be graduating on May 18th, obtaining my AA... In psychology. Oh, okay. I'm like, you went to AA. I'm like, I should have an AA. I went to AA for a long <laughs> do you time. Get a, do you get an AA after a certain amount of time? <laughs> I was hoping, but it never happened. <laughs> and uh, and then finishing up my first semester at Sac State with A's in all three courses. Oh, nice. very good. Uh, the Cherry on Top has been facilitating my first Sunday RMA recovery meeting this oh, past yes. week. That was a good one. Uh, it was a success thanks to all the monsters in attendance who made my job easy. Shout out to Grant, who is sitting right here. Uh, Kyle, Liz B, Aaron, Mike, and uh, those who were there. Where were you at, NatX? Yeah, NatX. I was at a long-range planning committee meeting at the Presbyterian Church, and uh, I much would much rather have been with you guys. But that can't last forever. At some point, we're going to have to plan and do something, right? At the church, you can't just meet and plan. It does seem like you guys meet a lot. You should uh, see these people. I mean, it's like... What are you sub- planning? It's everything. And then not only that, because listen, a lot of times at this church, I didn't take this seriously. They're like, oh, we're going to have a long range planning committee meeting. And I'm like, okay, great. Of course I'll do it. I walk out of church, you're sitting there. I said a couple of things and I figured that's the last I'd hear about it. Then I start to get these emails. Okay, we're doing subcommittees and you've been put on the membership and youth. And I'm like, what the heck are they talking about? Once you volunteer for bureaucracy, it just compounds itself. Well, I continue to ignore it. 
and then I got accosted at church the following week. Nat, we were talking about all your ideas at the meeting. Where were you Wednesday night? You know, and I said, uh, I don't check my email really that much. And I said, why don't you text my wife? Uh, if you need <laughs> me for something, you know. If you need me, text my wife. And so he started doing that. And um, and they're running off together. And now we're getting a divorce. And it's really, <laughs> Shit. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> you do have stuff for the week update. <laughs> um, and so then uh, David goes on. And then I actually want to ask Grant next because he's got the next comment. So what was the question? The question was... Check in. Give me something to oh, read on the show. Okay. He says, I want to thank the Academy and the, I want to thank the Academy and that my choice to remain abstinent from alcohol once again shows that life is more fun and rewarding when I'm running on almost all cylinders and my head is clear and my mind focused. So grateful for all the new folks I've connected with through RMA. Love you all. Thank you, David. Um, you know, speaking of life updates, I was talking to uh, Grant earlier and he said, you know, I kind of wanted to do a, a life update. So maybe this is actually the perfect spot to shoehorn in. How's it going, Grant? I know there's a lot of things that changed in your life over the past year since we got to know you. Um, and so why don't you fill us in? Tell us all about G Money Smooth's um, life and what's going on. Yeah, what's happening? Hey guys, I want to apologize. We lost a little bit of the audio in the lead-in to Grant's uh, segment. Um, so we're going to join him already in progress. Uh, the part that was cut out inadvertently was uh, an intro to him talking about an exciting new opportunity he's been presented with to change careers. Uh, so we are going to join that discussion in progress. And uh, Grant is going to tell you a little bit about the opportunities he's been presented with. And then we're going to lead into the take three. So apologies again. And here's Grant. All right. So, um, yeah, I continued on. I was able to continue on in my, my career, but I gave myself permission to start looking around. And leaping away from government is always hard because it's safe and secure with the benefits. But um, I've been doing volunteer work with a national nonprofit organization that deals with addiction issues, specifically their programs, their advocacy is focused on reducing stigma, expanding evidence-based treatment to um, making it more accessible and educating the public. And uh, they are, they have an initiative on the, the second front, the making treatment more accessible that they've rolled out in sub, several, about six states on the East Coast mainly. And they're taking it to California. And, um, yeah, I applied for a position. So I'm going to be engaging people in government, health plans, um, providers, and um, trying to get the word out and get excitement about this thing. And I don't, I feel like the ink just dried on the agreement, the employment agreement. So haven't checked in with them to see if I can mention who they are. I mean, I'm sure eventually because it's important for them to get the word out. So I'd love to come back and talk about it, what it is that I'm doing, but really excited. That that is so great. And I feel like uh, when I was watching, I think it was anonymous people, maybe when we were watching that for the show, and I was watching some people, you know, in the documentary who were doing exactly what you just described. And I thought to myself, man, that would be so great. Like, I would love to be involved in something that that's meaningful. You, and you are. Congrats. You are. You're involved in RMA every yeah. week. You, you, you know, maybe you're still somewhat anonymous, getting less anonymous, I would say. But you're, you're helping people and you're putting your voice out there and you're reducing the stigma by, you know, talking and, and adding comedy to the your talk about addiction yeah. and recovery and so thanks grant i try to i try to sell it to my wife that this is like my volunteer 
work. Yeah. And she's like, I don't in know. My life she's, she's like, <laughs> you have I, too much fun doing it. Yeah. You know? All I get is you're, you're leaving the house for the night. I've got the kids. I'm like, you know, but here we are. But that, that's so great, Grant. I'm really excited for you because I know how important it's been for you and in, in the way you've talked about what you've been working towards and, you know, and all of that. So cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like I've been playing at, um, you know, a, a fake addiction and recovery job with the website and coming on this podcast. But I feel like now I'm kind of aligning my interests with my professional goals. So yeah, it'll lend some credibility to our show too, if we're associated with an actual <laughs> professional, you know, I love it. But you, you know, that's it. It brings up a good point in that, um, you know, trying to align your values with what you do for a living is, is, is really something that pops up after you spend some time away from, from alcohol or from whatever drug you're using, when all of a sudden, like things that were important to you before are less important. And then mm. other things kind of ratchet up the, the hierarchy of, of needs as you get towards more towards self-actualization, if I could steal from Maslow, right? Um, you know, how important is it to you or was it to you that you do something like you're going to be doing now, as opposed to just sort of sticking with it. Because, you know, I've been thinking a lot about my own career and, you know, I'm, I'm like, look, you know, I'm 54. I'm like 10 more years of this. Like if I'm going to reinvent, it's got to be soon. You know what I yeah. mean? So, yeah. I, I mean, one thing, the fact that we're having this conversation, I think only from a p- place of some privilege, can you talk about self-actualization Absolutely. in your career? And I think about that every time when I, I do a little counseling two nights a week with uh, people who have much different life circumstance than mine. They're just trying to get by. And um, it's a great eye opener for me. But that said, in public service, I've been relatively lucky to always be working in public policy areas that kind of floated my boat. Um, retirement security has been a huge one that I've worked in. And so, um, yeah, in the last year, it's been about survival, last couple of years for me. Uh, but as I got more interested, I thought, yes, eventually I would, you know, if I want to continue working longer than I had expected before, which I do, I want to keep myself busy, then I might as well be doing something that I really have an interest and passion. And, mm-hmm. um, and so, it was really important for me, but, you know, I took a, a little more than a year to look, um, did some volunteer work, both on counseling and and with this organization that I'm going to be working for. So that's amazing though. Look at what you've achieved. I mean, even though when we first, when we first got to know you, you were always still like, Oh, there's Grant. He's buttoned up. He's helping out. He's smart. He's writing stuff. He's all good. But the truth was, you know, when you would tell us what was really going on, it was a, obviously, you know, this, but just for the audience, Grant went through an extremely difficult time. Um, I'm sure that a lot of people can, you know, um, <clears throat> who have been through similar times, myself included, where addiction just basically ripped our career, whatever we had at the time from us, you know, send us down and, you know, we had to claw back up and you're doing it. You did it. And not only did you get yourself back to a point where you're, you know, not just functional, but you're enjoying your life. You're doing something meaningful. Um, you know, you're also just getting started too. And that's what's so exciting, you know, and it's easy to, you know, look at where you are and go, ah, not so great. And well, what am I doing? That's so great. But when you look back, you know, try and go, back a year ago. I mean, it's amazing what you've achieved. I yeah. think it's a real inspiration, Grant. Yeah, a year and a half out from my 5150 hold. So yeah, <laughs> that's I, progress. I mean, isn't that amazing though, what recovery can do for you? Yeah. I mean, because even you get into like, you know, 
if you have if you've been kind of plotting away at a career and you've been drinking the whole time and you know you're you're not taking opportunities that present themselves for whatever reason you know there's there's fear there's anxiety there's all the reasons that drinking for in the first place. And then you spend some time, you know, working on yourself or you, you come out of your, your addiction. And then all of a sudden, like your brain fires up and you just want to, you want to contribute more. You want to, you want to be more of a, um, uh, the kind of person whose who's, who's values match up with, with your actions. Yeah. And you know? to be counted on for me, it's like a big deal that people like can count on me, not just that they do, but I know that if someone counts on me to do something that they know or they believe that I will take care of it. Yes. You know, and that's huge for me because I always wanted to be that person. You know, that's the person my father was. And I always used to say, you know, if I could just be 10% the, the mensch that my father is, I would be successful. And yeah. so just the, the, the fact that I can get to a place or that any of us can get to a place where we can be relied upon by our family or our coworkers. I mean, that's the magic really of recovery, I think. And if you folks out there are at a point where you're not quite there yet, you will, you will get there. You know, just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Yes. Yeah. No. And that's something that, you know, I thought, I thought I was at the bottom and that there was no coming back. And I just, I was pretty doom and gloom when everything happened and, yeah. Next right thing, take suggestions, all that stuff. It, it's, it's worked. And we've talked about, you know, what does recovery mean? Does it mean recovering who you are or, you know, recovering who you're supposed to be? Or is it just discovery and it's moving forward? And I do feel like that, um, you know, I had to reimagine what life could be. be you know, what, what if I, you know, what if my prospects never panned out? And it, it allows you to shed some of your expectations, I think. And then when, <laughs> sets the bar lower. And so it's easier to, to, um, to find that joy. And I, I, I just, I think I wouldn't have given myself permission to explore what it really was that I wanted had, had I not reached that bottom, not recommending a bottom to anybody. And I don't think right. you need to get there to recover, but it really did. It shook me up and made me, uh, you know, think about how I'm going to live. We'll say second half of, of life or second part of the career, you know, Right. It yeah. can, bottom can be a motivator. It can also be death. So <laughs> right. If it is right. A, yeah, no, that's true. It's kind, of, it's kind of a harsh way to, you know, I would, wouldn't recommend it as sort of like a strategy. No. You know. But that was Munster Speak. We do have to move on because we have a lot more with Grant to get to. Um, and we've got, um, and so that was Munster Speak. Did you want me to play the jingle again? Is that why you said that again? Uh, no, I, I want to, I'm trying to like divide the show up, you know, people like, you know, structure, I think, even if they don't realize it. They hate structure. <clears throat> they want to know that something else is coming. So I'd like to talk about what happened to Mike last week. I mean, everybody what out there heard. Oh. <laughs> we, we, uh, <laughs> I'm right on cue. We, we, we had a big cold. I'm actually in you know, Castle Grayskull and I can smell the COVID. <laughs> it's in the air. It's a essential oil that we add to the diffuser. <laughs> so, so what happened to you? You know, what, what is going well, on? Well, I'm not the only one here who's suffered a recent bout with COVID, but, uh, me. That yes. was you too, the two yeah, of you. And now I'm sitting here. Same week. Yeah. Traveled 3,000 miles across the That's country. Right. Oh, yeah. But I, I haven't gotten it. I don't, I don't know. Yet. Yet. You will, though. Uh, like, <laughs> apparently, uh, 60% of the rest of America, according to the New York Times yeah, today. Well, I probably um, got it, but don't know. So, like, You're eligible, too. Mine sucked. Uh, I, and I'm not comparing you know, my COVID with your COVID grant because COVID is COVID. But uh, getting it on the tail end of the flu was just, it seemed especially unkind. Yeah, you got uh, the flu. I called it, I had a great word for it. I called it a 
like a oh Mike is is a sick fuck with his <laughs> COVID flugasm. <laughs> if only it were that pleasurable. COVID flugasm. Yes. So go on. Yes. Sorry. Uh, well, I mean, what's there to say? Really, I've spent most of the past week coughing, so that's just kind of where I'm at. Um, but you know, it's funny. We everybody in the family got it. So uh, we had we had a big bowl upstairs that we kept all of our rapid tests in. So at the end of the week, it's this, this massive thing full of COVID. Yeah, um, that was pretty funny. You showed me the picture of the tests. Yeah. And you're like, it happened, and it looks like a pregnancy test. Yes. <laughs> it's a bouncing baby virus. <laughs> you did it. I did it. But well, uh, so, unfo- you know, and I didn't really get sick. I, I, obviously, I can't separate out what was the flu and what was the COVID because they're both the same, like cough. They're both respiratory infections. But um, but one is a hoax and one is not. Well, <laughs> so, I mean, I'm still like a little off my game, you know, and, and the cough, today is like the first day that I'm not coughing like, all day, even though I've tested negative, like the last three days. Um, so it's a weird little virus, you know, I don't know what your experience was, uh, Grant, but, uh, I'm, you know, still a little rundown, still a little coughing, but, uh, you know, I'm here. Well, you're, you're old enough to get the fourth booster, aren't you? I'm not, thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, I am not getting any more boosters. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, I would like another booster, but I haven't quite gotten it. I did not have COVID. In fact, I had an eight year old, that used to be a seven-year-old. We call oh. it a birthday party. Hey, Max, Max turned eight, and so this completely has consumed my the last week. And if any of you out there have met seven-year-olds, they're insane, especially the boys. And so we had a, a bowling party, which was also at an Excuse arcade. Me. I know we're all like. <laughs> Yours, yours is self-inflicted with that thing you're smoking on there. Yes, this is what I need to keep me a little nervous. And it's working. <laughs> and uh, and so Max had a great birthday party. We had 15 of his closest seven and eight-year-old friends at a bowling alley. Uh, I remember just, those It was days. basically chaos. And, um, you know, but he had a good time. And, and what did he get for his birthday, Nat? Well, um, his brother just the week before got a bearded dragon, which... Um, it's a lizard. I don't know if everybody knows what these bearded dragons are. They're very docile and they eat worms and sit in a cage and just generally don't do much. But he wanted a bearded dragon just like his brother. So he got a bearded dragon. So now I've got two bearded dragons. And now I'm actually paying attention to Mike's lizard factory down here. Is there an actual well, lizard in there? There is. There's one in there what kind? and one in there. So w- what is this one? Leopard gecko. Is a leopard gecko and... And that one would be a leopard gecko. Two leopard you geckos. you can't keep them together or they'll eat each other. Right. That's what I was told because I just wanted to put the two bearded dragons together to save money. Yeah. No, you can't Apparently, this is... You need two no, no. giant cages because um, they get very big. They get the size of like... Uh, you ever see those Galapagos iguanas? Yeah. Yeah. They get about that big. Maybe a little bigger. Well, I'm looking forward to and having... They live a long time. These, these lizards here, yeah. uh, at least 10 years old each. Hmm. And they probably have another 10 to go. Wow. Yeah. So I've got, you know, my work cut out for me. I know that my cat really wants to do something to these lizards because oh. he's constantly- Yeah, they won't, they won't live that long then. Yeah. I, <laughs> the well, cat was, will eat it soon. If I'm sick of the lizards, I'll just leave the door cracked. There you, you know, go. You know, to devastate my children. The other exciting thing that Max got, as you guys know, he's now interested in professional wrestling, which has just been amazing for me. I'm having the best time with my eight-year-old watching wrestling and stuff. He's so funny. And so we, my, we got him like almost front row tickets to a TV taping of uh, Friday Night Smackdown. And he's just like elated. He cannot wait to go. And like, it's just the cutest thing. So we're going to go see 
professional wrestling and um, and then feed worms to lizards and clean up lizard poop. Yeah, you can get uh, salmonella from that, you know. Yeah, salmonella. I was just. Did you guys know that salmonella? It's spelled like salmon, mm-hmm. and then Ella. It's like Italian salmon. Salmonella. <laughs> it's a yeah. It's like a feminized Italian <laughs> yeah. salmon, and uh, and then the kids also had the week off. I think was that last week. I'm sort of. They did. We were all. But you guys sick. were sick. No, we did nothing. I don't know. We didn't really have a whole lot going on. I ended up taking my son, uh, my older son Noah, to work. So he got to see my new uh, my new job, and um, basically, I was just making him do makeup uh, math work. Kids love it, right? When you when you bring them to an office and make them sit there and do nothing. Yeah, he, he was kind of amazed because it's like you know I was in a sports store, and now I'm in this company, and it's like he's just like is amazed, I guess, as I am. And so that was kind of fun. But um, you actually managed to get to a swim test for Ben. How did you do yeah, that? Yeah, so, you know, I've been sort of reeled back into the Boy Scout thing, and I'm, I'm actually an assistant <laughs> scout master now. I have my little I told you, I'm still jealous of the outfit. Do you wear the uniform? Uh, he definitely I, I, have, I have it. I, don't, I try not to wear it. Um, I was impressed. I just want to say, when I first met Mike, at one of these things, I was like, I want one of those. You can just go buy one. I was thinking about it. Which is kind of alarming when you think about it. Just wear it. (laughs) Anybody can go buy a Scoutmaster's uniform, you know? And so then if you're walking around with kids, like, hey, it's perfectly normal. That's the Boy Scouts got in a lot of trouble for that sort of thing. Um, So, Not you. Not me, no. Uh, So I agreed to go to summer camp uh, with with Ben and as an assistant scoutmaster, right? Mm. So there's this camp called 10 Mile River. It's upstate New York. But in order for you to go, before you show up, you have to take a swim test to prove that you're not going to drown. Oh, so it's a good way to prove so it. So they brought all the scouts, all 36 kids and a bunch of leaders, very out of shape leaders, <laughs> Did they take showed up at, at the Lifetime Gym last night. And... Um, the guy who was giving the swim test was this ex-Navy SEAL who was 67 years old who, who just wanted to punch everybody in the mouth. He was oh. the nastiest yeah. motherfucker I think I've <laughs> a long time. <laughs> Fucking kids. Exactly. He was sort of a, a cross between like coach from Cheers, if you remember that guy. Yes, I do. And uh, I don't know, some psychopath. He's just, <laughs> so, he's just a psychopath. So... Um, so we had to get in the pool and swim down and back and, you know, Did me you and Ben pass? are standing there, you know, coughing on every, on every yeah, right. It's all right. The chlorine takes care of it. Well, that's, that was my hope. Yeah. But uh, so I think we both passed the test. You did. He didn't say anything. If you, you sink, know. did they just go, which? Which, and then, that's right. Yeah. Where were you waiting for that one? Yeah, I was, <laughs> I kind of figured that's where you were going. Uh, but I'm glad he's not going to be up at summer camp, this guy, because he actually kind of scared me a little bit. I, I'm not, a 67-year-old ex-Navy SEALs that yell at you for no reason. Like, I, I don't, you know, it makes me very like, I yeah. get anxious. I didn't know? get a good feeling when, Grant, we, we both, when we were both doing Cub Scouts with our sons, we went to one of these Boy Scouts. We talked about this, but like <clears throat> the Boy Scout, like, meeting where they're trying to sell you on going to their troop type of thing. Oh, that, yeah. Remember we both went yeah. and we were just, um, like, that I, guy's an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> it was very paramilitary. And mm. like my son Noah is just like, he's not, <laughs> he's not up for that. He has blue hair and like, they, they, yeah. it's, it's, it's actually a, a quite a mellow group of guys. Um, they seem all right. That guy, yeah. Joe or whatever. Joe is kind of a nut. Is but, he the one uh, that owns the blink fitness with? Uh, oh no, Alan? no, that's Alan. Yeah, but his friend, isn't he another Blink Fitness guy? No, no, no. Joe is a cop. Oh, 
in uh, Garden City. Oh, yes. I love cops. Yes. Oh, you, you may pull you over sometime. You can drop, <laughs> feel free to drop my name. Okay. I was retiring at the end of July. Anyway, I digress with the whole show is a digression, really. That's true. Um, where the fuck are we? Did we, did you welcome all the monsters listening stateside around the world I, and down I, the street? I Not yet. Are we way beyond that? Or? I think we got, well, yeah, I just wanted to say one thing. <laughs> Welcome to all the monsters listening stateside, around the world, down the street, across the table, and right next door. Welcome all. Settle in, buckle up, and get ready for excitement, comedy, tragedy, intrigue, mystery, and so much more. Back to the show, Mike. Is it a lot of tragedy this week? It it lots of tragedy. Uh, uh, where can they find us, Mike? They can find us on podbean.com. Yeah, just go to middleagesrecovery.com, yeah. buy a t-shirt for Christ's sake. I'm just uh, really excited to get to do a take three, to be honest with you. It's okay. like, we've got Grant. He's sitting right here. He's like, I'm ready to go. Listen, you're the one that's usually a slavish devotion to the outline. I'm know, just trying to fulfill your fantasies, man. Like you're weird. Yeah. I'm going to just forget you said that. I, uh, okay. What happens here stays here. Okay. I think the best thing, unless you've got something else exciting, because we are running long. I have nothing and I know, exciting, and we haven't, we haven't been running that long. But we, guy, okay. Yeah, fine, fine. Do your thing. What? Do the next thing. The next Do the thing. next right thing. Well, the next right thing is going to be, we've got a take three takeover. And so Grant Boykin, G Money Smooth, the editor-at-large of the RMA Newsroom, is here with us today. Now, the last few times we did this, it was granted a pre-recorded thing. I thought it would be kind of slick and maybe it would be easier if he recorded it first. But it just sort of came to us and Grant, it was like, why don't I just come on? Won't this be better? It'll well, be I've listened. I think it's really dull, but maybe it's because I know the material, and but I don't think I have the best voice or delivery for a monologue. Well, I think this was a great idea. I'm glad to have him on the show. And now introducing, again, G Money Smooth for Take Three with SLP from SoberLiningsPlaybook.com. I give you Grant. All right. Okay. All right. So it's all yours. couple of caveats first. So with that new job, I'm for sure going to keep on doing the news clips and updates on California legislation. I think anything like the take three where I editorialize a little bit or the interviews where I write my own stuff, you know, I'll have to think that through a little bit because I don't want any brand. Um, you know, I don't want to, oh, I don't yeah. want to be associated with the organization that I work for and have, I got to figure that stuff out a little you're bit. So I may take a little, you're not going to stop working with us, are you? No, not at all. I'm, I, I want to keep working with you guys oh, okay, and okay. I don't, I don't see a problem in it. I just have to clear it with these employers that I haven't really worked with yet. So <laughs> it will all work out. I'm exactly. Yep. I do too. Um, yeah. So this week Mike's already expressed an, some interest in one of them, but the, you know, I always do the take three based on three things that I'm seeing as trends or that just interest me. And so I got, um, alcohol awareness month and a few stories about that. Is that April? Um, Are we, it is, it is April. So alcohol awareness month. It just sort of slipped through my fingers. I didn't know this. See that that's proof that I'm completely disconnected. I didn't even know. Every month is alcohol awareness yeah, month for us. Yeah. You used to be very aware. Yeah, um, used to be aware actually, of it like a couple times a day. That was a joke from the Discord. Somebody else said that just to give credit where credit's yeah. due. But 
Yeah, I almost it was May twenty sixth was my first set of new clips. So I'm, news clips. So I've almost gone a full year, and I wow. never knew before that September was recovery month, and September thirty first or October first is yeah. overdose awareness day. It's sober October, I had not heard of. So gone through mm-hmm. the whole cycle. It's also just a shout out to my daughter. It's lesbian. Um, what what is it now? It's like out lesbian lesbian um, visibility week. Um, mm. So shout out to my daughter. I don't know if she's listening, but um, but anyway, lesbian awareness week. That's this yeah. week or the previous week? It's or this week. I think it's actually April twenty sixth. But now they devote a whole week to it. And why? Why wouldn't you? Calendar, you know. We well, I was a, just thinking we yeah. should have an R. We should put out an RMA calendar. <laughs> the awareness calendar. Yeah. It would be different there. You go of us every month. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, give us content for the show. Sure. Okay. So anyway, Alcohol Awareness Month crept up on me. Didn't know it was there. But yes, we're very aware of alcohol. We talk about it all the time. <laughs> and um, Shatterproof, this organization, nonprofit organization, put out a special Earth. webpage. Yeah. Um, special webpage to, um, you know, point out alcohol facts. I think opioid, for many important reasons, takes the spotlight in many ways um, with the overdose crisis. But uh, Shatterproof pointed out the the third leading cause of preventable death in the U.S. is alcohol. Yes, and um, and there, during the pandemic, no surprise, there was a what you doing taking pictures? I uh, sorry, you right. <laughs> in there too. Sorry. All right, um, I'm just throwing and, and yeah, just like there was a overdose death that was incredible during the pandemic. Uh, alcohol-related deaths went up from like 79,000 to 99,000. So huge jump wow. in that. And so I think alcohol is one of those things we often call it, if you know, that soft drug versus hard drug distinction. We call it a soft drug, but, you know, is it soft because it's soft or is it, you know, considered soft because it's legal and it's, it's I, acceptable? I, I think it's the latter. 100%. Yeah. And I've exactly. been beating on this drum, Grant, for ever since I started this show because alcohol is between 75 and 100,000 deaths per year, every year, year in and year out across decades. And that's decades. not even all the deaths because they probably don't categorize a lot of really yeah. alcohol-caused deaths, yeah. you know, because whatever it is, a car accident or right. yeah. you know, things like it, that. And, you know, which drugs can kill you in, in, in terms of withdrawal symptoms? Alcohol, yeah. benzodiazepines too. But, um, right. you know, apparently opioids, it'll feel like you're dying, but alcohol could actually kill you. Mm-hmm. Damage I, had, I had a friend who died last, week, last year in, in uh, withdrawing from alcohol in a facility. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Sorry to hear that. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. He was an old friend from way back and uh, things kind of got away from him. But, you know, he, he left this world um, trying to do the right thing, you know? Yeah. It's just at some point it was, you know, yeah, very sad. But, you know, what, ang- what makes me angry is that, you know, we need an alcohol awareness month. Like, has, hasn't alcohol demonstrated over the course of human history that it uh, is a dangerous drug and a poison? And the only reason that we don't consider it as such is because so many people make so much money off of it. That's got to be it. Yeah. And because, you know, think about when you were in the throes of it. You know, you, you latched on to the, well, it's acceptable, it's legal, yeah, so others do it. The patient you know. was provided for you oh, yeah, by the yeah. alcohol industry. Yeah. You know? yeah. Everybody drinks. Delivered. Everybody drinks. Drink responsibly, but, you know, yeah. drink. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, in that – go ahead. 
No, I was just going to say, you know, my, I know, you know, a lot of times it comes up in recovery. Well, you know, there's so many people that can go out there and drink normally or that have normal relationships with alcohol. And I have to say that I have a hard time finding those people. I don't find that there's a lot of people that have a normal relationship with alcohol. And I think, I think once you get started down the, the primrose path or start sliding down into the pitcher plant, like Annie Grace says, it's really just a matter of time. Mm. You know, maybe yeah. there's a few people out there who can. Like, what does a healthy relationship with alcohol? alcohol look like? Is I, it don't like my I, grandfather had one shivers on the rocks every night when he came home. Is that healthy or I don't I mean, know. I don't know. You know why, you know, I used to have a couple glasses of wine every night when I got home. I was not like a, a humongous boozer during, during the week, typically, unless I was but did you need at work it? or travel. Exactly. Did you think and, about and it I all did. day? And I thought about it all day yeah. and I needed it. And that's when I was like, well, that's fucked up. Yeah. You know. Hmm. Yeah. At least you held off until you got home. Well, <laughs> to say that, but yeah, yeah no, I, I taking the train home from New York yeah, city. I did the, not hold off. The you know? yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's, there was a bar car. There's a, yeah, a wine a store in Penn station where they give you a cup when you buy your little screw off bottle of wine. Oh and yeah. I, you know, I was there. So. No. And that, that the, your point that it's, it's a spectrum. What is a healthy relationship? I think that concept we have that you either are or you aren't alcoholic or, or addicted to alcohol, you know, that can allow people who probably have a problem to dismiss it. You know, you go online and you take the test. Am I, am I not? You probably fudge the data a little bit, but once you decide you are not, um, then it doesn't, you don't feel like you need to do anything about it. Well, um, Paul Churchill has the foolproof test as to whether or not you have a drinking problem. It's a one question test. And the question is, have you ever Googled, do I have a drinking problem? Yeah. Right. That's yes. a good one. Because then you do. That is true. Are you listening to RMA? Yeah. Right. <laughs> Probably. Are you consuming yeah. recovery podcasts and recovery books? Are you reading recoveries, uh, you know, uh, biographies? What are you? <laughs> right. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Anyway, I'm so, sorry. So anyway, with the take three, I always do a written version and I put it under the um, SLP insights tab under soberliningsplaybook.com. And I concluded this segment, the alcohol awareness one, with a piece in the New York Times by Erica Anderson, which is, it's, women, do we need an intervention? Mm. So it's very Anna Grace-like, and it says, look at how acceptable alcohol is. It kind of takes on the mommy wine culture, but then, you know, uses what I call the Anna Grace phrase of, once you know the facts, you can't unknow them, you know, the yes. damage that it does to you and the way that you're marketed to. And so I thought that was a nice piece to commemorate. Uh, alcohol awareness month. Yeah. Once you know, you yeah. really, that's a great point. It's like they say that in AA too, in the similar way they say people who go out and drink after they go to AA for the first time, it like completely ruins your drinking. Once you <laughs> get a taste of the, the finger wagging and you know, all of that, and they say you've got a, a belly full of beer and a head full of AA. That's one of those sayings that they, but yeah. it's the same with the, the Andy Grace. Once you read all about it, or once you know, um, that all of these ads are just geared towards totally screwing you and like taking your money at your own expense. It's very hard to, to look past that. Yeah. Once you see through it, there's no putting the blindfold back on, nope. you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, but you know, I, I like your, your story that you you spoke to, uh, in your, um, uh, <clears throat> I don't know your synopsis of this particular article uh, of how you were going to uh, an AA meeting uh, during the pandemic and you, you went there and then you uh, snapped a picture of the closed due to COVID-19 sign on the door to prove that you had made the effort to go to the meeting, which, you know, sort of brings out, um, 
you know, the question about, well, or, or highlights the reality that a lot of people had a lot of trouble during the pandemic when those who were reliant on the face-to-face meetings of Alcoholics Anonymous or other uh, groups suddenly had that taken away, uh, relapses went through the roof. Right. Um, you know, the cynical part of me makes me think that, well, maybe relying too much on face-to-face meetings is not a particularly good idea because when they're not around, um, you set yourself up for a relapse, right? Yeah, and a lot yeah. of people, I think, um, and Grant, I'm sure you you saw this too, the people who did um, move with with the situation and move to online, I think people com- really permanently changed the way they recover. Oh, but, I think so too. I mean, some people completely went off off the rails and they couldn't, they just couldn't get with it. But a lot of us never went back to in-person meetings. And, um, and I'm hearing that a lot from people. Yeah. They just, they like what they've got. Many of them didn't just, you know, they went to a lot of alternative, because um, I think the alternative meetings really um, had more going on, I think, maybe. What do, you, what do you mean by alternative meeting? Like non-AA meetings? Non-12 steps. You know, oh, I see. Meetings like yeah. ours and other podcasts, you know, recovery support groups like Any Grace. I think yeah. they were already positioned, yeah. you know, to sort of take those people in. And they were. It was. That is one good thing that came out yeah. of it. January 2020, I signed up for Annie Grace's alcohol experiment. So you get a month and then the online community then migrated to its own Facebook page. I'm still part of that. But yeah, my problem in the pandemic was I was feeling really good, you know, pink cloud, thought I got this. And then I started reading online in the sobriety communities, people falling left and right, you know, relapse. And I kind of gave myself permission. I think it was a the excuse that I was looking for. It seemed like the apocalypse and I was going to be working at home anyway. What the hell? And things yeah. went south the week that we were going, um, you know, to, to remote work. And that's when, you know, when things got crazy and my brother said, get yourself to a meeting. And I, <laughs> you know, I went to the, the one, one place that had been sort of a group that I had gone to, never a home group. And, um, right across from the state Capitol and saw the closed sign. And I thought, Oh, this is a bad time. to relapse. But then I quickly discovered, um, well, I was out of work for a little bit of time and they say 90 meetings in 90 days and I far surpassed that because when you got nothing to do and you got a laptop in your, your room at your sober living house, it's really easy to knock out a few a day. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's great. And here we are back to it. So where, where is next on the number two? I've been interested the whole year that I put in put together news clips. Um, number two is non-substance addictions. Mm. And so when I first come across things, um, you know, eating disorders, sex addiction, love addiction, you know, self-harm, pornography, you know, I wondered, I, you know, I thought, I think we all think our stories are unique, or at least we're looking for relatability in stories that are similar to our own. And I thought, well, that, that's just something completely different. And I usually, unless the article is really interesting, I tended to leave them out of the news clips. But then the more that I hear from experts, Anna Lemke, you know, Stanford professor who, who writes very well on addiction, dopamine nation. She talks just about every interview I've heard. She talks about her addiction to romance novels started with twilight and took off from there. And the way she talks about it, she's convinced me that, you know, compulsive behavior that you do because it fulfills some need, and it creates problems in your life. Like what's so unique or so special about a substance? And that kind of lately I've been hearing and I put a, a, a recent article that he wrote, this guy Stanton Peel, who wrote 
a book called Love and Addiction back in 1975 that like Maya Solovitz and uh, I think even Carl Hartz nod to it as, as, you know, sort of shaping some of their thinking. And that's his thing too, that addiction, there's nothing special about drugs or alcohol. It's this set of behaviors, compulsive behaviors that you're filling some void or you're using it to cope. Um, and if we actually understand other addictions, it can help us look at things like, you know, non-abstinent recovery, like right with pe- people with di- reading disorders, we don't expect people never to eat again or sex disorder or, you know, sex um, addictions too. And so, um, yeah, it's a, yeah, that's definitely an interesting, and we, when we did um, Anna Lemke's book, it definitely opened up my, and, and my thinking on these things has evolved quite a bit from the first day I walked into an AA meeting. Because <clears throat> for me, when I first got into recovery, I mean, and it was just my myopic way of seeing things, but I, I was so focused on, and for good reason, stopping doing this thing that I'm compulsively doing. And if I could just, if I could just get myself to be, you know, dry or to stop drinking and using drugs for, for forever, you know, somehow everything would just be okay, you know, and the, the longer we study these things and the further that we progress, you know, with studying addiction and recovery, you know, this, this type of thinking, it makes a lot more sense to me, you know, the dopamine aspect of it and, and just having healthy behaviors. And that sort of opened up a whole world that I never thought of, which is this non-abstinent based recovery where, you really have a goal of just making your life better and, you know, not running ragged, going after things that don't help you and just being, you know, and, and living in a better way. And I feel like it's getting more popular out there. Yep. And I think even, sorry, Mike, one, okay. one point, even if abstinence is your goal, I don't think that's the way to measure you know, right. recovery or your success. It should be, and this is um, Katie Wickwitz, who I interviewed, always throws out the term, a life worth living. Yes. And I think that's what you should be achieving. Is your life meaningful? And that will also, if to the extent that you can say, yes, um, job-wise, career-wise, con- you know, my connections, personal connections, socially I'm fulfilled, the more that will keep you from needing something else to fill that. But go ahead, Mike. No, I, I agree with that 100%. But I, I was going to say that, you know, when it comes to things like eating disorders, like there is no such thing as abstinent recovery. Yeah. You, you can't be abstinent from eating. You can't be abstinent from, you know, reading. I mean, when I when I first, um, you know, listened to Anna Lemke talk about her addiction to romance novels, I was kind of rolling my eyes like, yeah. Same thing okay. with the classical yeah. music. It's like chocolate. It's like, are you dismissing addiction? Well, yeah. Or with uh, even with Gabor Mate and his addiction to buying classical music CDs. But mm-hmm. but it really all triggers the same pathways and it's all filling the same need, right? And, and you know, um, like you said, if you accept that addiction refers to compulsive behaviors used as coping strategies that persist despite negative consequences, it is difficult to argue non-substance addiction should be excluded, right? Total, total agreement there. And, I, and I've noticed it in my own recovery in a lot of weird ways because, you know, we've always talked about sort of addiction whack-a-mole and that's, that's part and parcel of this sort of thing. Like you can, you can stop using a substance and then it, and I've seen it in other people too. It it just rolls right over into the next thing, you know? And some people it rolls into like a healthy obsession because there's tons (laughs) of people who are, um, you know, uh, ultra runners, uh, you know, who, you know, are, there's no question in my mind. They're just sort of swapping coping strategies from, from one that's less healthy to one that's more healthy. Right. Um, but you know, even in myself, it's like, you know, I, 
sometimes I have to stop myself from getting obsessive about other things, right? Mm. Like, um, like the exercise, or I can, or I will hyper focus on my diet to the point where it starts to resemble something like it's like orthoexia, which is like an obsession yeah. with dietary purity. Or if I start, like I started getting into like, um, you know, I've always been into Buddhism, but I sort of took a turn into Hinduism and I, st- I started getting really involved in this like proto Hare Krishna group. And I started feeling like I was like, that was a little out of control. And, you know, it's really interesting how you can sort of watch yourself go down these, these other rabbit holes that are really working on the same system that the alcohol worked on. Yeah. You know? I mean, are we trying for an obsession free life? Well, I mean, is that, I don't, is obsession you know, bad or is it just obsession at the expense of like your friend's family? And well, whenever I, I start, my behavior starts to like go off in that direction. It is, it is an occasion for me to stop and sort of pull back and, and think about what I'm not addressing. What underlying thing am I not addressing? What need, what psychological need am I not meeting you know, or am I, what, what's going on inside that's causing me to think about what are you avoiding stuff? You know? What are you avoiding? Yeah. Yeah. Creating it. Interesting. No. Yeah. So I think there's that, what are you avoiding? What's your motivation? But then also the last part of the definition is, is it causing negative consequences? So why are you doing it? And, and, and if the answer is, I, I don't know what the motivation is that's healthy versus unhealthy, but if, if you, if you, it's something you truly enjoy and it's not causing negative consequences, the long distance running and you don't have knee problems, then, well, you know, but that's the thing, like negative consequences is a really kind of weird little squiggly line, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, well, you, you have know. these arguments with people who are like, I'm thinking of myself now when I was a functional addict and I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm only sniffing like a bundle a day. I've still got this, you know, six figure job. I still am married. I still have my house, but clearly I shouldn't have been, doing heroin every day. And it was clearly something I should have stopped like and never have started. But when you have someone who's like functional doing something that I think we could all say like, "Mm, Mm -hmm. you ought to stop that. How do you convince a person who thinks that they're okay? Well, a classic example is if you're out doing drugs, you're not spending time with your family. You're you're not spending time with your kids. If you're training to run hundred mile races, how much more time are you spending with your kids than when Mm -hmm. you were doing drugs? Even the the two marathons that I trained for, I thought I don't have a problem. Asked my wife at the time. She would have said, how come you don't have time on the weekends? Like you Mm got to do this several hour run. So yeah, (laughs) that's a good measure. Ask my wife how I'm doing. But you know what? But there, there too is a delicate balance, right? Because, you know, not everybody that runs a marathon is addicted to marathon running. Right. I'm clearly not. I could stop at two. (laughs) And yet I go out there every single day, despite the fact that my hip you know, I got a bad hip, I got a bad knee, I got a bit, you know, but I have to go out there because it, it's, it's for up here, you know, is that healthy? Is that, is that a negative consequence? I don't know. I think it would be more of a negative consequence if I stopped. Hmm. Cause yeah, then, yeah. then it would pop up somewhere less healthy, I think. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know what to think about that. As long as you don't See, I don't have an issue with days off. I used to, I quit keeping a log about 10 years ago mm-hmm. and I, I run less. <laughs> But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what, what the healthy balance is there. I wish I was somewhere in between where I am and where you are, I think, with the running. I mean, I don't race. I don't run competitively, but mm-hmm. I run every day. I'm going to start exercising again. I, I'm going to do it. But very interesting, on record. very interesting how, <laughs> how much of that is the dopamine uh, pathways and, and whether we're just trying to goose them, you know, with other stuff, you know, um, or whether it's 
something else at work. Cause I, I, lo- I love the whole dopamine framework, but I, I, I tend to find it a little reductive sometimes that it's all going into the biology, you know, but. Yeah. I mean, I'm convinced that it, it's addiction is multi-causal and there's multiple solutions. So, you know, reducing it to any one thing, you have to be skeptical of. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. That's why it's such a beast, a yeah, difficult definitely. thing, you know. It keeps us talking every week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that it does. No, no shortage of material. All right. Should we move on to number three? Let's do it. <laughs> All right. So yes, number, three. number three was an interesting story I ran across in a publication called Type Investigations, which I'd never heard of, but it was a long form story called The Jailing of Jesse Harvey. And the whole point, it was, it was about um, involuntary treatment for addiction. And this guy, Jesse Harvey, was longtime opiate. Well, you know, he was in his probably mid to late 20s. So, but had an opioid addiction and had once had a civil commitment before. So, um, where you voluntarily or your family takes you and you get a court order. Uh, this was in Massachusetts. And actually this week, there's an article about lawmakers considering expanding it and the controversy around there. But you get a court order. And then once you do that, you're at the whims of the the court ordered treatment program. So you can't leave voluntarily, but this guy was actually a harm reduction activist. So he understood different pathways and different, um, it's just sort of interesting. It seems incongruous with his sort of arc as an activist to then sign up for this very, um, coercive type of treatment, but so eventually he agreed it, to it. He agreed to do it in the, in the beginning, right? He did. Yeah. Cause he had done it before it worked. It was out of desperation. I think his mom was happy and that's part of in this, this section of the uh, take three, you know, I, I thought is this, this fear of overdose now with fentanyl, just like it's, it's pushing us, I would argue toward a more punitive stance toward drug policy. Is it also pushing relatives and even users to, well, let's, let's kind of forget about the meet them where, where they're at and let's have a, yeah. a tougher sort of treatment program. But this guy, it did a number on him. He wrote while he was in there and it clearly, um, the coercive nature of it, he disagreed with while he was in treatment and he really struggled. And then he got out and eventually committed suicide. And, oh, yeah. and so, but yeah, the article talks about how <clears throat> it's gotten easier after a 1997 Supreme court decision to commit somebody involuntarily. Um, yeah, go ahead. I know yeah, you no, wanted to you talk about that. Went, that like, you know that I went and looked up the case, right? So, because, did, so did I. Yeah. It's uh, uh, Kansas B. Hendricks is this. Yeah. One. So is it dust in the winds or purple haze? Which, which side are you going for? <laughs> well, I mean, the facts of Kansas B. Hendricks are actually kind of appalling. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, the court basically set forth procedure by which you could um, confine someone indefinitely. And this was for a sex offender, right? Civil, right. Civil yeah. commitment indefinitely for prisoners convicted of sex offenders whom the state deems dangerous due to a mental abnormality. Mm. Now, Versus a mental illness. Yes. Yeah. Um, which is kind of interesting because, um, you know, there are, there's, there's a lot of people out there in the world who would think that, you know, pedophiles should probably not see the light of day um, because they have 
uh, such poor outcomes when it comes to treatment, right? It's, uh, but who else has poor outcomes when it comes to treatment, right? I mean, you have opiate users, you have, um, you know, al- alcoholics, just, you know. Podcast hosts. Yeah. I, so, so do you want the state deciding what a mental abnormality is and being able to confine people on that basis? I mean, it's very easy to say to keep all the pedophiles in jail, but it certainly seems to me like what's going on in Massachusetts and some other states that, um, you know, they're, they're basing these programs they're creating for involuntary civil commitment for, for addiction on the holding in Kansas v. Hendricks. And that should be alarming anybody who believes in civil liberties to any degree. Well, that's the problem when it comes to, to drug treatment because there's an intersection um, in criminal justice because of it, how it's illegal. And you, so you have the criminal justice system, which inter- intersects with the court system, which now has to intersect with mental health um, you know, providers and then patients who are also seen as criminals. So it's this complex, and I don't know what the answer is. Clearly, judges and lawyers should not be, you know, deciding people's, you know, mental health treatment, but you also have a criminal side of this. Well, I mean, and that's part of the problem, right, is, is the criminalization of addiction is, 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 is a problem. I mean, what you're dealing with is a mental health issue here, not a criminal issue. So, yeah, and what, what, what worries me, though, yeah. is like, in, and in addition to, you know, uh, these civil commitments that are being used under Kansas v. Hendricks, you also have laws being passed. And you referenced one in, in, um, in the weekly Wednesday this week. Uh, in Colorado Springs, where they're, yep. they're passing a law in Colorado, which basically um, says that the way to help addicts is to, rather than make, um, make uh, you know, the addiction-related crimes into, as misdemeanors, make them into felonies so that people are, are, are um, facing much more severe punishment and that that will somehow give the judges latitude to get these people into a drug court and have like a sort of uh, to hang over their heads so that if they um, fail the drug program, they, I, I don't know what, they send them to prison yeah. for a longer period. I think the quote in that article said leverage, give them leverage, leverage. to get them into treatment. Yeah. 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 But I mean, and, and that's not the only state where that's going on. I, I don't know if we talked about a couple of weeks earlier on, on, um, on uh, recovery in the news, we, we covered a, a the kids. Yeah. They, they wanted, yeah, it was only in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. They wanted to increase the penalties for marijuana possession for kids to for include, kids, kids yeah. to include jail time. So yeah. what, what is this, you know, well, on the one hand, there's all this talk about uh, all this uh, money from the opioid settlements being funneled into treatment. Well, at the, at the same time, it seems as though the, there's a big movement to increase penalties and put people in jail. And I don't know if that's because uh, fentanyl has just got everybody freaked the fuck out or, uh, or if this is just some kind of sea change going on in the way that uh, the state is planning on treating addicts. Well, I mean, it's, it's a lot either of, way. It's alarming. It's fear. It's completely fear-based. And, and you probably deal with this in um, when you're treating people too, uh, in therapy and in groups and things, making decisions based on fear usually doesn't lead to like cohesion. Coherent plans, you know, and so if entire country is afraid that their, you know, nephew is going to die of a drug overdose because of fentanyl, uh, that same person may be a judge, a lawmaker, or, you know, a police officer. They're all hearing this. They're seeing the death. And so they're making these decisions based on maybe irrational, maybe rational fear, but it doesn't result in, you know, a really great plan of action and ways to treat this stuff. It's just, uh, 
I don't know. Yeah, I mean, clearly, public policy based on fear is never <clears throat> that well thought out. It's not the way yeah, to so. go. And uh, in California, this is sort of similar, but I found it interesting. There was a bill last year, and it's up again this year, that would create a pilot program for uh, drug-related crimes. People could choose to go to a drug, a lockdown drug treatment program versus uh, being incarcerated. And um, the governor vetoed it and said, you know, that's not really a, a real choice and it doesn't work to treat people who don't want to be treated. And Human Rights Watch had a, um, they spoke out against the bill too and had a similar thing. So, hmm. yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what the answer is going to be. And it, I used to think I was getting closer to a better like understanding. I used to feel like I had the answers and that like if given a moment to sort of, you know, crystallize my thoughts that I could deliver, you know, we, we used to, I used to say this and you would scoff Unified at, field theory, Nazi unified, unified field theory. <laughs> that's right. And the more and more we discuss it and think about it and read about it, I, I just don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like I'm getting to a point where all I can do is keep myself sober and happy. And I, I don't, for everyone else, I just, I, I'm not feeling filled with confidence that, that, that there's a system out there, that there's a country out there that will effectively support, treat and, um, and heal people who are suffering from addiction. Well, I just don't know. I mean, if you believe like Evan Haynes's statistics from, you know, oral recovery and the, the whole um, Carl Rogers approach to uh, unconditional positive regard, you know, then then maybe that's the tactic we should be taking rather than putting people in prison. I think that's too pally. I love Evan Haynes and his beautiful thoughts on it, but I, it just I seems mean, too Pollyanna. But he seems to be having success, you know. How many people could possibly afford and go to Oro Recovery. No, that's the wrong question. I mean, the question should be why aren't there more places like Oro Recovery and why mm-hmm. why should people have to pay $20,000 for two weeks? It, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we're spending, you know how much money it costs to incarcerate somebody? I mean, I didn't I take know. that money. Oh, no, yeah. Why, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just, they make money too because they well, like make license plates and stuff. Oh, wait, where's my <laughs> yes, furniture? Yep. Money is being made. That's, that's why it's being done this way. So the true route. Of all of this, of everything, is capitalism. Capitalism. I was going to say a very Marxist argument, which is yeah. not, yeah, <laughs> not disparaging the argument at all. I'm, I, yeah, I'm, yeah. Silence. <laughs> On that happy note, <laughs> we could, we could, uh, yeah, we could get into some dialectics now if you want, but uh, yeah, capitalism, dialectical up, materialism. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure. Uh, I was more in sociology. I was more of a Weberian and you guys, you talked about elective affinity ethic. a while ago. Yeah. Yeah. Protestant work ethic. And yeah. Right. What about cooperative capitalism? We were listening to it's all bad today and there was a really interesting uh, guest. Finally, they had a guest that was not a. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, a sex worker who was just constantly masturbating on meth. Like, it's okay once in a while, but it was like five weeks in Don't a row. Don't be on old Lawrence. Lawrence is a good guy. I love Lawrence, but the guests too. So it was Lawrence. Then they'd bring in more of these masturbating meth addicts. And God bless them. Um, and I'm sure they're chafing. But really, it was interesting because the, the latest guest um, – he had a lot of really interesting points to make um, about capitalism, and he was talking about cooperative capitalism, and you know. But getting to, back to capitalism as the root—I don't know about of all evil, but of most of the of society's ills—is um, 
it's kind of a, a lot to wrap your mind around. I mean, what can you even do? It's one thing to stop yourself from, you know, drinking to excess. It's a, it's a quite another to completely topple our capitalist <laughs> yeah. system. You know what I mean? Like, where can you even begin to change something like that? It's just, it's, it's completely uh, impossible. I don't know. I, I've, I've ca- kind of gotten to the point where I'm, I'm at a bit, I'm a bit cynical about the potential for anything to change within the structure of the system that yeah. we have right now. I mean, I think the, 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 the best thing you could probably push for would be universal health care because then you can work in that system. Hey, move to Canada. Then you, know? you got to bow to the queen. Hey, move to Russia, man, if you don't like it here. <laughs> you don't like it here, move to fucking Russia. <laughs> uh, what he was saying, the, the guy whose name eludes me on, um, on It's All Bad, was basically saying that America has always been a hustle. It's always, it was set up as a hustle, and it's, it's a bunch of con artists trying to take advantage of each other. Norman H. <laughs> yeah. Um, which, you know, I don't entirely disagree with that, but I don't know. It's, yeah. it's a red yeah. herring though. What can you do about it? You have a job, you earn money, you pay a mortgage. Like are you just going to like, um, Jesse Ventura yourself and completely go off the grid? And, I mean, I, maybe, but uh, then you're not participating in society and what can you really, I don't know. And I, I would argue that, you know, just like addiction, there's no black and whites and I'm, lived in Europe a little bit in an Eastern European country. And I do think that there is a, a spectrum and European countries have a much better social safety net. And, you know, we could, we could take a page from them when it comes to all sorts of things, whether it's healthcare or paternity leave. Yeah. Higher taxes, but you know, more, more safety and security for all. Um, you know, if you actually look at the tax structure, when you factor in American property tax, income tax, sales tax, uh, our tax burden is roughly equivalent to that of some Scandinavian countries, and we get far less in services for it. But yeah. we do have bigger missiles and, <laughs> uh, and a much, much more uh, advanced army. So there's yeah. that. Yeah. You know. um, but, you know, this isn't a political show, although you, can, you can't really ignore politics when it comes to, to treatment issues, right? I mean- no, I- I agree. Yeah. Because I, I do think that, you know, we, we need to attack things on all fronts, but part of it is public policy and you always have disagreements and those are rooted in philosophical, you know, different disagreements about the way we should organize things and, and fund things. So I think um, I would love to hear an update. Um, I, I'm bringing up anonymous people again, because this is all making me think of that, that documentary and we're watching, um, what was the foundation? The um, which one was the nominee? faces and voices? It was faces and voices, and the so, oh yeah yeah, yeah. Um, of recovery. <clears throat> it was just really. I was like, wow, you know. But where is it now? I would love to to have like an update. You know, they had all of this this movement, and I remember mm-hmm. when that came out. I was an outpatient at a place called Seafield, and our. Um, the person running the group was telling us that she was going with some other of uh, the people who worked there to protest or to march on Washington and all of that. You know, pe- I'm a person in long-term recovery, that kind of thing, coming out of the shell. And I wondered, where is that now? I mean, maybe well, go, do you ever go to Faces and Voices of Recovery website? They they do a lot in terms of. I think they organize events and marches and and they. I I go to their website because they have um, you know calls to action. You can sign on and yeah. you know write to your your elected uh, officials on certain issues. But you, it's a good way to get updates on. Are they making action. progress in the, in law? I mean, now because you you've worked in government and now you're you know, you're going to be working with this new organization. I mean, 
what, what do you feel? Have we gotten any progress, you know, in laws and the way that states are, are running yeah. besides just decriminalizing, you know, narcotics in Portland? Like, is there any actual, you know, they were talking about parity on uh, healthcare and, and getting, you know, I know we got some of that. Yeah. That was a big point. No, I mean, I'm, I'm not an expert. I play one on this podcast. So, yeah, me too. Uh, you know, but there's, there's clearly changes. And I think the Affordable Care Act, um, and I was a beneficiary, it made it so that insurance, even more mental health parity than we had before, and insurance had to cover, at least especially in California, addiction treatment. Um, and so that's great. But <clears throat> that makes for a bigger pot of money to be had. More people come into that space and, and more you see Medi-Cal fraud and yeah. Medi- Medicaid fraud in, in addiction treatment. So, uh, but yeah, then we, you know. On a future episode of Take Three, yeah. Grant is Sorry. going to tackle this issue. Well, let me, let me just say that all of a sudden we have billions and billions of dollars from the opioid settlement cases that mm-hmm. should be flowing into uh, local governments expressly earmarked for treatment. Is that going to happen? Because I saw an article in our local paper the other day that uh, Suffolk County is getting $26 billion or some insane amount of money. Like, mm-hmm. what, what is, I, I, and I'm anticipating, fully anticipating this money will be, will just disappear into like a general fund. You and just see never to be seen traffic again. cops will have brand new Mustangs. Have you seen those? Yeah. Well, they'll have bazookas or tanks <laughs> yeah. or whatever to pull over drunk drivers now. But like, what, yeah, what are they doing with What are they it? doing with the money? Yeah. So, you know, the, the litigation goes, there's local governments, there's state governments, there's, it, there's a lot. And so different people are going to get different parts, different uh, jurisdictions are going to get different pots of money. But I think, you know, the organization that I'm going to work for has, as one of their initiatives, uh, sort of guidelines for how states should use the money. And I know I had an article in the clips within the last couple of weeks on New York, and I can't remember if there's a panel or if there's legislation being proposed about how that money will be distributed, but um, it will vary and it could be okay in some places and really not okay in in others. Um, You know, you look at the way uh, tobacco settlements have been used and I would argue, you know, in California, it's supposed to go to schools and yes, definitely some of it makes their way there, but it came at a time when there were deficits in in the government budget. And so it's, you know, greedy minds want to spend it in different places. So it'll take vigilance and, um, yeah, I don't know, organizations like the one that I'm going to go work for um, to try and educate lawmakers on how it should be used. Yeah, it's such a quagmire. Um, I was listening to that book called Unsettled by Ryan Hampton. And Ryan Hampton was a guest on Dopey recently. And and listening to that, when I first started listening to it, I said, ugh, I cannot listen to another book about this, um, you know, the scandal, the Purdue Pharma. You get overwhelmed, huh? So much of it. But I continued to listen because I needed something. And um, this was actually a really interesting angle. Now, he ended up, you know, on – like the board of people negotiate. It was really interesting. It was a real inside look and he got to be kind of a fly on the wall and I guess a decision maker. Did you read that book? Yeah. What, what do they call it, Mike? The creditors committee in a bankruptcy? Um, yeah, you know, so it's, it's the people who are owed who get to make decisions. And mm-hmm. I guess they decide, I mean, he pushed his way on there. More power to him. One of us 
took their creativity and ingenuity and figured out how to be part of that. And then he got an insider look at the proceedings. But but the look that he got was not encouraging. I mean, to him or to me. And so I don't know. It's such, I mean, the system that we have, (laughs) the, the court, the health system, capitalism, the whole thing just feels like it's piled on top of all of these issues. And how do you dig we dig our way out and it's just, ah, it's overwhelming. But I'm, that's why we stick together and we just try and take it one thing at a time. I mean, look at what happened after Obamacare passed and there was that parody. I mean, wasn't that the golden age of rehabs, you know, um, of the, you know, the, the runners like pulling people and sending them to rehab, giving them this is why money we can't and bones nice, and all that kind of thing. That's why we can't have nice things. Because well, I mean, I don't, know what is, I don't know what that says about human nature or, or maybe it just says that, you know, you, you can't... Uh, you can't create systems without a considerable amount of forethought into what your how what your building is going to end up yeah. being in act, in reality. You know, uh, I think there's always a lag. Laws and regulations don't always keep up with innovation and technology yeah. or healthcare or whatever. So I think you know, I'm more optimistic than you. And I, and <laughs> the legislatures, the courts, those are ours. Those are the people. So it takes you know loud voices. But I do believe that there can be better regulated treatment and, and drug policy. And so I have a final question. I wish I wasn't so cynical. I have a final question that is not self-serving in any way. Mm-hmm. I would like to know what your thoughts are on last week's show. It recovered or recovering. I just, oh. I want another opinion. I feel like I didn't get to discuss this enough. I think he, he's done talking about okay. his. So you're I, not talking about your insecurity about how you sounded. Cause you sounded fine to me. Okay. I just, I want your thoughts. I want your thoughts on it. I think we worry so much about words, but I know what he says. I I think, you know, whatever journey I'm on, at least right now, I like to keep it front and center and work on it. And I'm different than I was a couple of years ago. You know, am I recovered with an ED, you know, put a stamp on it and move forward and never think about it again. I don't know. I, I think like a lot of things in life about me, I'll have to keep thinking about and keep working on. And um, at the same time, I don't have the same urges and the same outlook no, on, you know, I used to mourn the loss of alcohol. Right. I don't mourn the loss of alcohol anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's one of the most amazing turn of events that I've noticed just in my recovery <laughs> that I never imagined I would get myself to that place where it's like it doesn't have any impact. You know, my wife slowly started having alcohol in the house. And early on when I was sober, maybe the first year or two, we couldn't have alcohol in the house. Mm-hmm. Not only, I mean, I wasn't necessarily going to drink it, but if it were there, I definitely thought about it. There was a couple of times I can remember where we would have a party and we had started serving alcohol again and there'd be leftover in the fridge. And I had to say to my wife, please throw that out. Mm-hmm. And the, now we're at a point where I don't know why there's so much alcohol in my house. And I was asking <laughs> my wife, I'm like, why is there, you know, all of this? What is this wine for? You know, I just, I noticed it. And she's like, oh, blah, blah, blah. It's for this or that. And we're bringing it for that. And I'm like, oh, okay. And it's the last time it comes up. Sometimes I go into the garage to, to get a seltzer or whatever. And I see that same couple of weird cans of this absolute vodka seltzer someone must have brought like it, but it has no effect and it's bizarre. And what scares me is you've had your spiritual awakening. I guess I like, I don't know what happened. I don't know if it's, it's like when I first, uh, we, we talked about any grace and, and like never being able to unsee 
or unknow how you're being taken advantage of. But at some point it went from knowing it to, oh, wow, I really, I, I really believe it. I really almost get angry when I see alcohol related like ads and I'm like, oh yeah, right. Like what they don't show is the guy going home and beating the crap out of his kids. Right. You know, so I, I don't know. Do you feel like you, you know, you said you're not craving on a daily basis. So it's not like you're suffering from those symptoms, but if we don't do our work, you know, we feel a little edgy, I think. Yeah. I don't, <clears throat> I don't know if I feel the same edginess. I'm just, I, I don't know what, I'm at much more peace than I was before. Yeah. I can't put my finger on exactly how I got here. I do know that what made a difference for me is when I saw being sober as something fun, something That's right. that I connect connect with people like you. I think um which I don't you know, one of our members um who's also in Dopey, um yeah. Scott W. You know, it, I he made a comment once like that in Facebook about, you know, once he saw it as cool then right. it, it made it easier. And yeah, and I no longer mourned the loss of it because I had this new thing to look forward to, new friends and new way of doing things. So Right. It's not the absence. You wouldn't invite me on here. I wouldn't have this national platform right. if it were not for the fact that I was so That's right. I mean, I, you, you look at your life now and you think, I would, why, why would I ever trade what I have now for what I had then? You know, this is just so much better. And it really, it's not deprivation. None of this is, I don't feel deprived from anything. I mean, I mean, the whole world opened up to me, like the alcohol would be depriving me of having like a a normal, happy life. Yeah. Yeah. I try not to look down on alcohol drinkers because of course I know many of them. Yeah. I try that. You don't want to be one of those. I, I, (laughs) I don't want to. It's just, I can't help. When I see it, I just, I, I feel like, oh. I just feel bad for people. Yeah. You know, I'm like, a, I'm, I feel like they, there's this secret that I know that they yeah. should know about. That, you know, hey, your life could be so much better if you would. But then I feel like a Mormon. Like, yes. Come on, doors. Have you considered? Uh, have you considered? I think you and I could probably pass. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Do you have a minute to talk about sobriety? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. All right, Grant. I think we've uh, squeezed enough content out of you. Did you have anything? <laughs> We're like, how long can we keep Grant talking here? Um, did you have anything else you wanted to add for your very first live um, take three with SLP before we go to- Just thank you for having me here. And I think the listeners will be happy that I wasn't doing a public service announcement monologue like I usually do. <laughs> I want to say Listen, that- Listen, those are great. I like them yeah. a lot, but I like having you here better, you know, because I don't know what what I had in my head, why I thought it would be better to pre-record. I think I just had yeah. some fantasy with, about- With the right person, it could. No, you're, but, you're, you, you convey the information, it's perfect, but I, I just mm. I think it's better when you can bounce stuff off other people. Yeah. Right? Like, like when we have our meetings or, you know, back, you know, I thought to myself, I'm like, Oh yeah, Grant's great at those meetings. Like it'd probably be awesome to have him. On this. And we do the same, you know, with Aaron comes on and we right. have a good, so mm-hmm. any case we're learning as we go. And thank you so much, Grant, uh, for bearing with us. And thank you for having me. I predict this will just get better every time. Every time. All right. Well, Get until forward. next time, I'll see you on the discord. All, All right. right. Thanks Grant. Thanks All Grant. Right. All right, All right, I'm going to hit you. stop. What do I do? I just closed the window, I guess. Yeah. I think. Maybe. Yay. Yeah, okay. Error. Grant Boykin has been destroyed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I hope his uh, face looks better.
Not, yeah, not yeah. that there's anything wrong with his face. The quality of the recording. It, it yes. I think it does because <laughs> your face is fine. Your face was beautiful, but it, we're getting like internet weirdness. So many things did not record. Like this didn't record until 19 minutes ago. I think I have everything on here. Do you want to do everything over again? <laughs> no, I do not. Should we start again? But is it time for recovery in the news? Recovery in the news. Hey, Nat. Yeah. We don't have anything for recovery in the news today. You know, we really don't. We did we did three newses. Here's today. what I want to do for recovery in the news. I'm just gonna randomly search addiction recovery on Google and then hit news. This will be interesting. Oh. I and like it. It's I'm just like gonna a, click the, the slot first. machine of, of recovery in the news. Okay. First thing that I got. New program to expand access to substance abuse treatment in rural Wisconsin. Oh my. Something everybody can uh, appreciate. We have a uh, listener, we have a, a monkster who is formerly of Wisconsin. A new statewide collaboration between the Jen Wisconsin Hospital Association and the UW School of Medicine and Public Health aims to bring much-needed help to rural communities grappling with a rise in substance abuse and addiction. Are they wow. put people in jail up there? No, but you... the, the new program named Wisconsin Rural Health and Substance Use Clinical Support is designed That's to improve care for patients in <laughs> rural hospitals and clinics who don't need help managing blah, blah, blah. This is really boring. And That's why we take a little more care right. in selecting our stories. But that was fun. So if you're interested in that, uh, it's on the <laughs> University of Wisconsin-Madison website. I will not put a link in the, in the show notes. Recovering the news. <laughs> yeah. Recovery. Anyway, I just wanted to sing yeah, the song. All right. Well, people come here just for the song. I know. You I think it. sometimes. I thought that might have worked out better. Um, what is now? What time for weekend weird? Uh, yes. Mystified man in Texas reports multiple sightings of eerie orb in the night Not sky. Not the eerie orb in the night sky again. By who? Timbadal. A man in Texas claims to have witnessed an eerie orange orb hovering in the night sky on multiple occasions over the past few months and recently caught a peculiar aerial anomaly on film. According to a local media report, Sal Sanchez first caught sight of the strange UFO. a lot of alliteration. This is very alliterative. Back in January, while standing outside of his home in the Austin suburb of Kyle. We have a Kyle on uh, the inner sanctum. (laughs) Does he live in Austin? I don't know. I don't think so. I just walked out. Out and saw this strange light He's in the from sky. Canada, Kyle. He's got, oh, our Kyle is yeah. from Canada. This Not Kyle this guy. is Texas. Not the orb guy. I was looking around at all the planes in the air like, is anybody seeing this? It's Austin. It's not like real Texas. Y'all, while it's uncertain if the planes in, in the air... What? While it is uncertain if there were any other witnesses at the moment, the incident at the start of the year was just the beginning of a series of sightings for Sanchez. Over the last few months, the orange oddity, which he likened to a fireball, has appeared in the sky outside his home several more times, with, on at least one occasion, the man's daughter and neighbor also spotting the puzzling UFO. So it's revisiting him. So this is not just a one-time Sure, thing. Dad. I see the orange orb in yes, the sky. Yes, Dad. Have another one. <laughs> the ongoing case seems to have culminated for now with what Sanchez described as a, quote, light show like you wouldn't believe. While the witness did not, did not, Stop. Did not capture that peculiar, particular event on film, he has managed to record some of the instance, 
wherein the orb has made an appearance. As for what it might be, Sanchez was skeptical of the possibility that the UFO is a drone due to his observation that it flies fairly low to the ground, yet it does not appear to make any noise. Hmm. Um, I like how they're always skeptical of like the normal explanation. <laughs> like it's probably just the normal explanation is usually in the next paragraph, right? Uh, yeah, Texas right. UFO researcher Jane Kyle indicated that her initial response to seeing the Here video is that Sanchez had filmed a lantern. <laughs> <laughs> There's How, this crazy thing up in the sky. I don't know what it is. Uh, however, she eventually concluded that it is definitely not, and noted that. The light is solid the whole time, and it looks to be moving intentionally. That said, she left open the possibility that the oddity may have been a drone, while Sanchez simply mused, quote, if it is something that is not of this world, why here in Kyle? <laughs> to that end, what's your take on the man's video? Write Mike R at middleagesrecovery.com and tell us. We will post the video in the show notes. You know what this reminds me of? It's probably his neighbor who's like, you know, that guy, I'm going to fuck that guy. And he, yeah, or he's got a, a lantern on a fishing rod or something. Because this story came up a couple of weeks ago that I heard that um, this guy was um, going out into his backyard every night and hooting. like, And, and he would hear this owl hooting back from, it, from him. So he would go out there every night and hoot. And the owl would hoot back. Except it wasn't an owl. It was his neighbor just fucking with him. <laughs> And that's what this sounds like to me. So, oh man, what a show! Um, I feel like we have a little room for me to ask you a personal question. Me? So, if anyone has listened for this long, if you're still there, I'm about to ask a very personal oh, question of Mike. What? Here's my question: Why is there police crime scene tape on your front yard? What has happened? <laughs> Uh, the cops are digging for stuff. I was like, I think I need to ask Mike about this. There's so, crime scene. Because usually I walk on the lawn, which is, you know, in bad manners. But it, Did you walk on the lawn tonight? No, I, I avoided Then the crime it. scene tape okay. worked because I've reseeded the front lawn. And I've I put this tape around to see. We get a lot of things from Amazon. I see. So these guys yeah. just, with their heavy boots, they clomp over the, yeah. the young true. shoots of grass. So I had to... Tape it off. And the only thing I had was crime scene tape that I had from Halloween. Well, it's the source. It's been the source of speculation in my household because we pass by your house several times. <laughs> I wonder if the whole neighborhood's wondering why I have crime scene tape around my well, front lawn. There's a few possibilities before you told me the answer. One of them was, did they get a new cesspool? But oh. you didn't because- well, we have, we're hooked up to the sewer. Right, which is right. what we can And we put it in the backyard anyway, but- right. You would? I think so. Aren't they all Ours in the backyard? Ours are in the front yard. Really? Yeah. In, in my oh, town. Oh, shit. Okay. So, um, Your I'm, town is the same fucking town. We don't have sewers. We're just outside of the You're sewer district. You're still septic tanks. Yes. Oof. Our taxes are lower. Yeah, be careful flushing shit down the toilet, though. Riveting radio here on <laughs> RMA. And do you want to say anything else? Not really. That I about... I think I'm done. That about does it for today. I know I had a great time. Did you? That was great. I really enjoyed speaking with Grant. Yeah. Guys, thanks so much and for listening. And you, of course. Um, visit us at middleagesrecovery.com, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, YouTube, and Twitter. So tweet us a twat, you to it. Support your favorite show. Drop a five-star review. Join our private Facebook group. Buy a t-shirt or simply write and say hello. Uh, join the Inner Sanctum at patreon.com slash recovery in the middle ages for a higher level of support and this great video that we're making right now. Um, mm, we are maybe. Gonna, uh, try and submit that there and um, join the discussion. And the best way to help the show is to share it with a friend. If you get something out of our show, please share the love, 
and help grow the RMA movement. And thanks for bearing with us, guys. As we say, non proficiat perfectum. That's progress, not perfection. Definitely not perfection. See you next time. Not here. Be good. Be good.